This podcast and the following message were brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. When you're trying to keep your pre-owned lot stocked with high-quality, in-demand vehicles, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Plus, you always risk having your price bid up by competing dealers. With Van, you go straight to the source, acquiring pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers in your target market. The Vehicle Acquisition Network saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area. Find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. For more information, text BUY WITH VAN to 555-888 or go to autoconverse.com slash VAN. Again, if a dealer is smart, it's, I want to make this as easy as possible. And yes, I, I have a thriving, I have a strong used car business. I want your used car. But if the OEM is not making a car that maintains its value, if an OEM is not making a car that is going to remain in demand, after it's two, three, four, five, six years old, then it's going to hurt the trade-in values, which means it's going to put more pressure on those customers to buy a new car. I mean, if I was an OEM, I would want to see my used cars dominate the market. And I would want to do that because it's going to help me sell more new cars and I'm going to make a fortune on parts, but I don't see where the OEMs honestly really give a rat's behind about a lot of the, a lot of the dealers. Okay. Expand on that. And folks, we just went live here on YouTube, on our website, Uh, uh, Chip Dorman, Ryan Girardi here at our used car marketing strategy session here. We're, we're basically taking a look at 2018 and putting some perspective on that and, and looking ahead towards 2019. You're going to see us bouncing on a few different subjects right now. We're talking, you, you can hear it, we're getting into uh, the fact that OEMs are, are pretty much 100% focused on moving new, new product and don't really help out on the use side. So go ahead, Chip, because I kind of in, in, uh, in, um, interrupted you there, but go ahead with that thought. Well, <clears throat> as we were, you know, as we were, as we were talking, people that own cars currently, in order to get into a new car, they need to sell their used car. Mm-hmm. And the sheer fact of the matter remains that the used car market is twice as large as the new car market. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm a new car dealer, I want to make money on both ends. You're going to make more unused. We know you're going to make more unused. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay. But OEMs need to show some OEMs need to show some discipline. OEMs need to understand 
that the dealers, okay, without the dealers, they're toast. I mean, they're toast. And we talked about, you know, the OEMs not really caring about the dealers. Well, without mentioning brands, I mean, I've talked to a number of dealers now, and they're telling me that their strategy is to try not to lose more than $1,300 on the front end and to try and make $1,800 on the back end for a net $500 gross and then hit a volume bonus? I mean... That's their incentive. Okay. That is so razor thin. Why? Why would I want to put myself through that meat grinder if I can go make two, three, four grand a copy and sell three times as many used cars? Why would I want to do it? I mean, there's more money for me going the other way. Is it fair to say when you're our, as a franchise dealer, you're, you're kind of stuck? Aren't you stuck as a franchise dealer? You can't get out of it. You can sell it, but you can't get out of it. But, and you can't just abandon your new car sales. You have to, you, you can't just say, I'm going to just sell used cars. You can't do that. That is correct. So what happens, and okay, I don't think I'm giving away any secret sauce here because, you know, a number of dealers have already come to the realization. What you do is instead of trying to sell, you know, 50-50 or, you know, three, you know, new to, you know, one used, you flip it the other way. You start selling two used or three used to every new. Mm -hmm. You hit your, you know, quote unquote target, but you're just doing the bare minimum. Okay. You're just doing the bare bare minimum to keep the OEM off your butt and, that frees you up to, you know, go focus and do something where you can really make money. And right now for a lot of dealers, that's used cars. So this from the consumer standpoint, just for a second, we got about more than twice as many, pretty much about twice as many used cars are purchased uh, each year compared to, to new cars. Uh, Obviously, there's probably that's probably for economic reasons. It's less expensive. It's a greater value to buy a used car. Uh, I don't know if consumers are are thinking about it when they're going into. It. They're just thinking, I need a car, and they have a budget, and they try to find something within that budget. And it turns out that every other time, or you know, two out of three times, it makes sense to go with it, with a used car. Um, 2018, as we saw, uh, I think about a two percent lift compared to 2017. Uh, most forecasts probably predicted a, a slight decline in sales. Uh, now we're heading into 2019, and analysts are pretty much saying this is it. The new car, the the new car business is a bust. 2019 is going to go down. What do you say about that speculation? I don't buy it. Okay, I just flat out don't buy it. A car is a capital asset, okay? It's a mechanical asset. It's going to wear out. And if it's time for you to get a new car, it's time for you to get a new car, okay? So now the question is, 
what are you going to go buy? You're going to go buy new? You're going to go buy used? Well, in a downturn, okay, people don't stop buying cars. They don't stop. And dealers need to understand the trader mentality. If somebody is, if overall new and used sales slow down, it means people are holding onto their cars longer, right? If they're holding onto their cars longer, dealers should be picking up that service business. Okay. I was thinking that too. Cars do last longer. Are people staying in them longer? I mean, yeah, I think the average uh, lifespan ownership is now three to five years versus two to three. When you look at the market as a whole, okay, I look at the sale of new cars as being driven by overall economic conditions. And the most important, okay, the most important economic indicator for me is going to be employment. Okay. Do people have jobs? Okay. If they still have jobs and they're bringing in paychecks, they're going to need a car. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Interest rates, interest rates going from, you know, 3.5 to, you know, 4.7. I mean, if anybody came to me and said, you know, well, interest rates are up, that's why we're down. Okay, not going to buy that. You know, you tell me interest rates go from, you know, three and a half to 10%. Okay, maybe we talk. But we haven't seen that big of a bump. And again, if, if, if the difference is, you know, what, 16 bucks per thousand? Okay, I may go buy a different car but I'm still going to have to buy a car. There's still a market for cars. So dealers need to adopt a trader's mentality. So long as there's volatility, so long as people are buying and selling, dealers just need to be where the action is. And for the OEMs, okay, you need to make and sell cars that people want to buy and that have enough profitability in them for your dealers to sell them as opposed to another alternative like used cars. But I, I'd like to sw- switch gears with you slightly. Um, with, new, with used cars being in, I think the supply is, you know, the supply remains high, uh, but the demand remains higher. Um, Maybe not really. What is that? How is that affecting our, our wholesale prices for the first quarter of, of 2019? Are wholesale prices at risk of, say, softening? So long as people, okay, are buying and selling cars as a whole, no. Okay. As a whole, no, they're not. You're always going to have a, you know, you're always going to have variations in between models and brands, okay, for a number of reasons. But on the whole, no. And to a certain extent, 
the wholesale price of a car doesn't really matter. Okay. If I'm going to buy a $3,000 car, okay, I'm going to buy a $3,000 car. Why? Because I've got to buy a car. That's what I can afford. Now, you as a dealer, all you need to do is find a $1,000 car. Okay, I guarantee you, there those cars are out there. I just had a friend buy a $1,400 car. $1,400. It's got 180,000 miles on it. It's kind of dinged up. It's showing its wear and its tear. At $1,400, it's a throwaway car. It's a throwaway car. You say wholesale prices don't matter. They don't matter to the consumer. They affect they do affect the, the, the dealer's uh, uh, profits, if you will, which brings up our next talking point that I had in mind, which is the, the buzzword of 2018 of margin compression. <laughs> okay. not, we, don't, we, we've, we dedicated a whole episode, uh, I think back in uh, October or November, specifically towards margin compression. Um, what do you, what do you have to say? What do you think of about the term margin compression and, and tie that into the wholesale prices? Okay. Um, so can I stipulate, okay, I'm a big fan of Dale Pollock. Um, a big, big fan of Viado. Okay. So Dale's what you, who you think of when you hear the word margin compression? No. Cause he's been talking about it for three years. I, I, I think he kind of coined the term, but I could be wrong. Okay, he did. Now, <clears throat> I think the single biggest problem in terms of margin compression are old used car managers that are stuck in their ways that are still physically going to an auction. Why? Repeat, repeat that. Repeat. I want you to emphasize what you said. I think the biggest cause of margin compressions on new cars are old used car managers that are stuck in their ways that are still trying to physically go to auctions to buy their cars. If it's not a profitable model, why do, why do dealers follow suit? If it were profitable, you wouldn't have people whining about margin compression, would you? All right. Well, there's two types of margin compression. There's the new car margin compression, which I would say because of the internet, n- new car prices basically became a static. They became static, right? You go into, you go into Target and you're going to pay that same price for that uh, deodorant or whatever that you are at your supermarket. Maybe it might be some variances here. I'd say the internet squeezed out profits from new cars. Now used cars, I think you dealers have a lot more that they can control that influence their margins. So things like where they're getting their cars to your point auctions, uh, how they're acquiring them, uh, how they're, what tools they are using, what data they're using to move those cars. Right. And, and one of our talking points up here for today is Dale Pollock coming out saying it's not all about turn anymore which we've also talked about in a recent, recent episode. So <clears throat> I, had, I, just did, I intercepted there to distinguish margin compression because there's new car compression and used car. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the margin compression on the new car side. 
prior to me coming into automotive, the dealership that I worked at, it was not uncommon for them back in the, you know, big, huge glory days, you know, pre-2008 to sell, you know, six, 700 plus cars a month. Well, the truth of the matter is they lost their butt on over half of them. They would do anything to hit a volume number. And yes, they sold 700 cars, but the total gross at the end of the month was nowhere near what we did with the internet and 400 to 450 cars a month. I mean, they used to, they'd be lucky to do two, 300,000 in gross a month at 700. We were doing, you know, 1.2 to 1.4 mil in gross a month, four mm-hmm. grand a copy. Yeah. I think dealers were forced to, to move, to move more metal, to make up for the, the, the decrease in, in margins. No, that was before the internet. That was before the internet really took off. That was back when dealers had quote unquote control. No, the factory shoved a bunch of product down their throats. Guys just got into a sales mode. They didn't have any control. Um, No, the truth of the matter is one of the biggest problems again, and I see this with a lot of dealers. They just, they buy whatever the, the factory rep or the factory c- computer tells them to buy. No. No. Okay. Buy the inventory that your customers want to buy that you can make money on. Why are you just taking what's coming down the pipe? Okay. We have the tools. We have the data to know what the market wants. Fair? We have the data. The data exists. We have the tools to figure that out. The loaded question. At the OEM level? No, at the dealer level. At the okay. dealer level. Are we smart enough to use them? Well, that that's that's a good question. So what <laughs> when a dealer goes to auction, okay? Okay. When he goes I, to auction. I want to remove that phrase. Okay. You want to remove it? Auction? No, go to auction, all right? Yeah. I can tell you right now, if I owned a dealership and a used car manager said, I'm going to the auction, okay, they would be fired. I was going to say, he's gone, right? Okay, dude's <laughs> but, toast. But what do the auctions say? Do you know what the auction companies are saying? How do, what's their response to that? How do they handle that objection? All right. The auction companies, and, and, and this is the beauty, all right? The whole entire idea of using something like Stockwave is I can look at 16 auctions, 16 lanes at once. Okay? I'm not stuck with just what's in front of me. I'm also not stuck in an environment where, you know, I've got to buy something and it's all emotional. No. I can sit online. And I can make a rational buying decision with discipline. Based on data that you have, because you know you can sell it. It's just a commodity. How many dealers in your experience 
over the, over the years and maybe maybe as of late uh, are disciplined that before they acquire a car from whatever source the trade auction private seller before they before they acquire that car already have a reliable forecast on when they're going to move it and at what price is that are we, rare are we talking about the smart dealers that's i mean do you think that that the majority of dealers are there no Have we cross that chasm yet no, or no not even close not even close okay so let's take that i here we are you're saying look if 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 my used car guy said, I'm going to go to the auction, you're going to say, don't bother. You just lost your job. <laughs> right? Correct. Okay. So in that, there's a sense of urgency there. There's a detriment there. You're like, don't even waste my time and money. Th- those days are over. You, you don't need to do that. So there's an urgency and a detriment there. But if the majority of dealers don't recognize that now, let's, for this last 10 minutes here, let's look at 2019 and focus on used cars. What is going to happen? Is it going to be, are we going to see a drastic slide? You don't think prices are going to soften at the wholesale level. So what do you see happening in 2019? And for the sake of it, may, let's look the next two to three years. Okay, let me play with used cars. What's let me important? Ask you this. Does a stock broker care about what a stock sells for? Is that how they make their money? No, they care about what they're going to, they're, they're split. They're, yeah. they, they care about what they're getting. If you buy a hundred thousand shares at a thousand a share, or you buy a hundred thousand shares at $10 a share, guess what? Okay. In today's market, I'm making the same commission mm-hmm. on a per share basis. Okay. In the case of Schwab and a lot of these others, it's on a per trade basis, right? It's a volume business. Well, that's the same attitude that car dealers need to take. I kind of don't care what the wholesale price is so long as I make my spread. Okay. I don't care. I really don't. I need volume. I need X amount of transaction with X amount of profit in them. And if you're telling me the vast majority of dealers are still stuck in the dinosaur age, okay, the smart kids and the cool kids are going to get this figured out. That's why there's so much buzz about, you know, profit time and the autos change. Now, I'd also caution a lot of dealers that just because Dale has backed off from the concept of, okay, it's strictly volume, you know, you, you need to look at this and that. For me, when I looked at and I was using Beato, I never did that. Okay, I already had those allowances. I was already doing what Dale is talking about now because it For me, it was simple, common financial sense, all right? Dale had a model. Dale had a number of great ideas. Dale came out with a tool, and it worked 90 95% of the time. Were there some outliers? 
Well, yeah, come on, kids. I mean, you're supposed to be a car professional. You're supposed to be able to think on your feet and go, you know what? This is an exception. Okay, this is an exception. Now, you know, one-third of my inventory about to have a birthday, there's something wrong with that. And if you can't tell the difference between that and some outliers, like I said, you're probably one of those old dinosaur used car managers that's still going to an auction. Chip, would you agree it is more strategic to not look at the end of and this you might have already you might have already disagreed with this now that I'm thinking about it. I was gonna say <laughs> would you agree or disagree that that it's more strategic to look at profit as a whole and not per unit? Meaning if you know you got to take a loss on this, take it. Just just move the metal and get it out and, and move it and get it out there. Okay, so when it comes time to take in a trade, right? Uh, if I have to pay a little bit too much to sell a new car, if I have to give the person a little too much on the trade, right? I'm going to wholesale that car. I am not going to try and hope that I can take a car that I've overpaid for, take it into a recon process, put more of my money and capital into it, and then hope that an overpriced car is going to magically sell and hit my profit margin. Okay, no. I'm not going to beat up on my sales manager because he had to go a little deep to turn a unit. Perfectly fine, I understand. I want my sales managers to be out there, to be on the front line, to be making decisions in the heat of battle. Okay, at the end of the month, I'm going to take a look at what they're doing, but I'm, you know, you can't micromanage. Okay, so on this one, that's what we had to do to get it done, wholesale it out. I don't take a loss. I move a new car. I make some money. I make a customer and make them happy. Okay, I don't have an issue with that. But at the end of the day, I still need to stock X amount of units and turn X amount of units with X amount of profit. Mm -hmm. So you can't sell everything for a loss, obviously. Okay. So, yes, you need to look at the whole. You need to look at the whole. Now, are guys going to make mistakes? Yes. Okay. Don't compound your mistake. Cut your losses. Okay. You tried something. It didn't work. You know, BFD, I'm not going to beat you up at the end of the month. If your goal is to sell 200 used cars and deliver 400,000 in gross, I am not going to go in on a line-by-line, car-by-car, transaction-by-transaction, you know, process and beat you up because you had a couple of losers. No, I gave you a goal of 200 units, 400K. You know, sometimes making sausage gets a little messy. You hit those goals, I'm happy. Because guess what? Next month I want to sell 225 and I want to hit 450. Okay, so we're coming down here to the bottom of the hour. I'm going to give you 90 seconds, Chip. 90 seconds. Oh, my God, the pressure's on. We've talked about this. Yeah, we've talked about this on the side. But what is your 
what is your advice, whether it's a single piece or three, you know, three top things for, for dealers to focus on in 2019 as it pertains to their used car uh, marketing strategy? Used car marketing strategy, one, your advertising should focus on inventory level ads dynamically generated search, not display, not video, search. And that means Google ads. Your Facebook ads should also be dynamic inventory ads. You want people that are in the market looking at your cars, your pricing, your payment. And the old rules have not changed. The whole secret to being successful at used cars is buying them right and reconning them fast. I'm delighted. There you go. So you, I thought you were going to give three points. You gave one, dynamic inventory search, not display on Facebook and Google. And then, Buy it right. And then say that again? Buy it right. Buy it right and move it fast. Well, not, no, not just move it get fast. Get it on the line fast. I'm sorry. Recon. Yeah, get it on the don't, line fast. Don't get stupid on recon. You can't have that thing sit there for seven to 10 days mm-hmm. and try and have your fixed ops manager make too much money on you know, a new set of tires and brakes. I mean, if it takes any longer than three days to get on that line, something's wrong. And, and to Dale Pollock's point on the whole calendaring thing, which we just, uh, we, we just released a, a podcast around, is you can't just look at the age of the vehicle. You have to look at uh, each individual car. And oops, did I get the right screen up there? Hold on a sec. There we go. You have to look at each individual car because that has a bigger factor in uh, in the, pro- the profitability of your car. So we just released that podcast. That's from our last session last month. Uh, look for it on the Auto Converse podcast. Is the calendar method for measuring vehicle age and profitability flawed? And folks, uh, just to wind things down, today's. Uh, session is brought to you by Vehicle Acquisition Network. Uh, you can visit them at buywithvan.com. And uh, you know, while you're trying to keep your pre-owned lot stocked with high-quality in-demand vehicles, as Chip said, dealing with auctions can be costly and time-consuming. Might not even be a point in physically being there. Uh, plus, you always run the risk of your uh, having your price bid up by competing dealers. So with Van, you go straight to the source. And you acquire pre-owned vehicles directly from private sellers that are in your target market. So Van saves you time and money by automatically searching online listings to locate your most sought-after units from independent sellers in your area, allowing you to find the pre-owned vehicles you want faster than your competitors and for hundreds less than you would pay at auction. Well, Chip, uh, appreciate taking the time to be here and pleasure pleasure, entering with you. And uh, folks, Chip uh, is, is a regular around here, so um, you are sure to see uh, more of him. And if you want to get in touch with Chip, how can people get in touch with you, Chip? They can always call me, 949-910-0421. I'll answer the phone if at all possible, or they can hit me on email, chip at torqueanalytics.com. There you go. 
All right, Chip, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you soon. Thank you, Ryan. This is Audiburst Media.